Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. Hey, you're going to take a minute of your time and you're going to give it to us because you're going to want to hear what's going to go on here on this next episode. It's season two, episode two, and we've changed the format, but not the fabulous guests that we have on our episodes here. We have got Ross Yeager on the show, guys, and he's going to talk to us on how to get involved in out-of-state investing, the different ways to finance property investments, whether that's cash or private money, self-directed IRAs, seller financing, syndications, all these kinds of things. And he's going to talk about why relationships are key. So you're going to want to tune into the next episode of the Real Estate Rundown right here. And we bring Ross Yeager to you live. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown and a big welcome to Ross Yeager. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Hey, this is season two of the Real Estate Rundown. This is episode two. And on this episode, we are going to be talking about all things real estate as always. But the difference is we've got a guy on the show today that's, it kind of comes from a traditional background, doing the nine to five, all that kind of stuff. But Ross, kind of give us a background on who you are, where you came from, how you got involved in real estate investing, and then we'll pick up the conversation from there because I got some really great questions I want to ask. Great. Sounds good. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me on the show. You guys produce great content and it's exciting to be here. But yeah, just a little bit about my background. I am a software engineer out in Silicon Valley doing the whole startup thing, which has been really exciting. I've been a part of a startup that started with like 20 people and now we're in the multiple hundreds range. So it's been really cool to see that grow over time. But one of the things that, you know, as I continue to grow in my career and success in that career is like, where do I actually take these funds and go to invest that. And so what I started to do is look naturally to other successful people and what do they do. And as you would attest to, real estate is a great place to start looking for that. And so started just getting into do a lot of reading, listen to a lot of podcasts, just like this one, and started to learn all the different opportunities that were there. And that started to open up my eyes, what's actually possible there over the past, and this was about three years ago. And over that past time, while working at my W-2, I've added 15 units during that period of time, all of them. Did you say 50? 15, 15, 15. not 15. 15's still impressive. I just wanted to be clear, you know? Yeah. So added 15 units in that period of time, but I've also started other kind of like different verticals within the real estate business, such as wholesaling, as well as helping coach other folks get their into their first journey in real estate. So I've helped a couple of people in the past few months there just get into buying their first deal and getting starting on their real estate journey as well. You know, Ross, that's so awesome. And there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to kind of key in on. One, real estate's a team sport, right? I mean, it's always great that people in real estate seem to want to help other people succeed, right? I mean, and it's not something you can just do by yourself. It's not that Ross goes down the street and finds a house and you go meet with the owner and then you go to the courthouse and you record the documents and everything happens all in its, its own self. 
But as you grow that team of people that you're working with and people that you're experienced with and people that are doing your title work and your repairs and all that, you find that in that circle, all these other people come into your life, right? But one of the other things that I didn't hear you mention was the tax benefits, right? If you're in a W-2, you're probably in the highest taxed area of any of the quadrants, right? Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, four quadrants there. You're in the highest and real estate is phenomenal for helping people out with their tax burdens that come along with a great paying W-2, right? Yes, exactly. What are you doing with that in that real estate play on the tax side? Are you using that to your advantage? Are you doing anything special? Are you just taking the regular straight line? Yeah. So I haven't done anything like, you know, cost segregation studies on this yet or anything kind of too advanced there. But just in general, the buy one of the reasons I opted into kind of the buy and hold model is just the tax efficiency that is associated with that. And I also started an LLC in order to manage all of this. And so I'm able to capture a lot of the, you know, like I file a Schedule C for this business. I'm able to write off paper losses onto my own income, my actual taxable income, even though on it has gone up substantially over the period of time, has actually decreased every single year since I've owned real estate. So first of all, like the income itself is virtually tax-free depending on, there's a lot of factors that depend on that, but where I'm investing and the level of rents I'm able to get relative to the actual value of the properties is kind of a sweet spot there where I'm basically walking away with tax-free income on that. On the business side of things, I'm able to, you know, utilize these paper losses and and translate those onto my personal income as well. So it's been a great way to kind of foster in these tax-efficient ways that go along really well with my W-2. And looking forward as someone with like a lot of equity in, you know, like a startup company in the future, I also plan on leveraging that, the the tax advantages of potentially like an opportunity zone or other aspects like that, where I could really save on some taxes as we go forward. It's excellent that you mentioned that. We're doing a couple opportunity zone deals right now, and they're hugely tax advantageous. And everybody just keeps thinking, well, we got to get in by a certain timeline because then we've got you know, we can't get in. Well, that's not true. You can still get in. You lose some of the tax benefits for getting in early, but the opportunity zone speaks of a location and a duration. So if you get into a specific location on a project and you're there for a 10-year duration, then at that time, you're able to deal with the benefits of that coming out later tax-free, right? So there's a lot of things that go with that. But, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was you mentioned the returns on where you're investing. And one of the things that we knew you were going to talk about, because it's kind of similar is you're probably not investing in Silicon Valley, right? And so you've had to get really good at sight unseen investing or investing in another area. How did you get to where you were able to build that, speaking of real estate being a team sport, to where you're able to invest outside of the world you live? Yeah. So as most people know, in the San Jose, San Francisco area, it's literally one of the most expensive real estate in the world. You go out there and you can be, you know, go buy a thousand foot square foot apartment and you're over a million dollars on that. And so you start to look at those numbers and it doesn't quite make sense, especially if you're interested in cash flow and kind of optimizing like tax efficiency, like we just talked about. So naturally that led me to like, okay, there's got to be other ways to do this because I see lots of successful people doing this. And what I started doing is kind of this combination of where can I build the best team and from a list of places where I can cash flow. And that's where I started from. And so started looking at places where, okay, the rent that's coming in will actually be able to cover all the expenses, plus have a certain number of cash flow resulting in a certain ROI or cash on cash return, as some people may call it, based on that investment. And so 
what you'll find out quickly is like there is a kind of range of purchase price that that you kind of need to home in, especially if you're targeting like single families. And then there's also like a rental market that needs to be strong enough to sustain that. And one of the areas I came across was the Philadelphia market. At the time when I first started, it's almost doubled since then in terms of like values, but we were looking in the like 100 to 300K range for target entry pricing. And then you're doing some sort of renovation or value add to that. And then you'd be looking at some of the stronger rent in the country as well. And so a lot of your listeners might be familiar with the 1% rule, which is just the your monthly net rental income that, that divide by the actual purchase price there. And if you're hitting above 1%, that's a great way to kind of at a very, very high level, get a just ballpark idea of like, is this worth looking at? And so the 1% rule is prolific out there. It's getting harder to find that out there, but started looking into how can I get involved with this? And so first kind of identified a couple of areas there, and then also tried to identify places where I could start connecting and finding a good group of people on the ground. And my first instinct was actually to go to some of these kind of turnkey providers. So your roof stocks, so there's actually quite a few institutional players that are entering into this space now. And what they do is they provide a turnkey experience, which is they do all the work, they get everything set up, they get the renter in there, you purchase the property, and then you cash flow from there on. It's a pretty pain-free process in theory, but your returns there, like they're taking a decent amount of meat off the bone from that perspective. And so- but well, It's like, just like anything yeah. in the world, right? I mean, the more you get what you pay for, and either you're going to go do the work and you're going to get those funds, or somebody else is going to do the work and they're going to take those funds. You know, so at the end of the day, it's about do you want it done for you or do you want a DIY that provides you with a better return, right? And so I see where a lot of people are, you know, they have a busy lifestyle. They want to get involved in real estate. So they start out with this, you know, they make it pretty painless. But then again, somebody's got to pay Susan to put the person in the property and sell the property and do all that stuff. So, but it's also a great place as far as a benchmark of looking at, well, if I do it myself, they're doing it this way and they're getting an X return. I've got to get X plus to justify my time being involved in it. Right. And there's a lot of ways to do that, but you obviously didn't go that route. You went a different route. Yes, exactly. I just started digging into the numbers, the different products that I was seeing, and I was just not really impressed, you know? I think one of the things like kind of my benchmark is like, if I'm not able to be a 10% like total return, then I should just be like dollar cost averaging into the stock market indexes, right? That's kind of like the mindset that I came from. And that's basically a purely passive effort, right? And so that was kind of the benchmark that I came at this with. And I, I take a very like numbers driven approach, especially as a as an engineer. But uh, yeah, so it just started dying in and I was like, this isn't great, but maybe like this is the way to do it to get in and then something else will open up down the road. And I actually made an offer on one. I did a lot of research, ended up falling through, which was the best thing for me. And then that led me to kind of continue to grow my network and really dive in. It's kind of like once you start to put your money into something, you really start to learn even more about it. As much as research as you want to do before, there's nothing like actually putting skin in the game to, to really drive you to dive even deeper. And that led me to like, oh, you can actually do this on your own, do a value add project. And there's quite a lucrative return that can be a part of that. And so that, that led me to kind of building out my own team and doing these renovations and the Burr method, as some might have heard it called on my own. Well, and then, you know, the other thing too, you know, Ross, as you're seeing, you know, you're saying deals are becoming harder and harder to find. And that's true, you know, cap rate compression and just, you know, return on equity has definitely been affected by everything that's going on in the world. But the fact that you've built out a team, you're a known factor. 
they're a known factor, right? You've got people you can reach out to that, and realtors know that they can reach out to you. Hey, Ross buys, man. Ross, you know, he doesn't just kick tires and make me send him endless flyers and do all these comps and do a video walkthrough and all this stuff and doesn't buy. We know this guy happens. And then the, so you're probably able to stay more in the flow than someone who doesn't have a team or is doing it on their own, right? Mm-hmm. And how's that been a benefit as things have gotten tighter? Right. Yeah. It sounds very cliche, right? When you're first diving in where it's like your network is your net worth and it it really is true. And, but like it takes consistency, discipline and effort in order to build those relationships and to make them authentic. I think one thing I see a lot of people get caught up in, in real estate is the networking kind of as a, a higher level concept, but, and that they think like, oh, that's just going to a concert or going to this, you know, local meetup that I just listened to someone talk. And it's, that's not networking. Networking is building authentic relationships where you're putting in effort to add value to that relationship, just like anything, just like the real estate project itself, right? Right. The more you can bring to the table, the more return is going to be for everyone involved. And I found that like, I think you touched on this at the beginning, but I think in a lot of other industries, people aren't super helpful. I was very like cautious when I was seeing like how helpful people can tend to be in real estate, but people really do have an abundant mindset in this space. And also it is a small world. So I think it is a very unique kind of category in the sense that you can really build some authentic relationships with people, but it takes a lot of effort and it takes being authentic and intentional about what you're doing in order to grow that. You know, and the funny thing is too, you know, Ross, we're dealing with large sums of money. So you would think, and not that there aren't, right? There are grifters in this world. They're all in in every line of work. Absolutely. But, you know, the reality is that you know, your title officer is there to help. You know, your realtor is really there to help. And if you don't like them, get new ones, right? I mean, if you have complaints about your realtor, there's a lot of realtors out there. Get one that's good. Get a seasoned expert. You know, get somebody that's there to help you. Your contractor, get a contractor that understands, hey, this isn't a one and done. I'm not taking all Ross's money once. If I do this right, Ross will be back again and again and again. And you create a repeatable process. Right. Right. And that seems to be a lot easier than in this market because we do understand referrals. We do understand repeat business. When you go get gas for your car, you go where it's convenient. You don't go to a certain gas station because you've always been getting at that gas station, but we do tend to do that with our real estate professionals. And that creates that referral or that repeat business that keeps you going. So when you're looking at your out-of-state portfolio that you are able to build while doing your W-2 for tax purposes and cash flow, what's your end game on this? Yeah, well, I think just touching on the relationships and team building there, like I think one of the things there that is key is not like nickeling and dime people, realizing that this is a long play. I'm not going to get caught up in like trying to negotiate really hard with my contractor because I know like, hey, he's going to help me out down the road. He's also going to be someone who's going to be there. And I also want to align incentives, right? Like people are going to do what they're incentivized to do. And so if you're incentivizing people to know that you're going to be nickeling and diming things, then they're going to be incentivized to A, either artificially raise their prices on you or not want to work with you. So I think like those are some of the things that, like you said, you build these relationships and these referrals. And that may just makes it kind of a flywheel, so to speak, where like you keep building momentum and that momentum just makes it easier and easier to attract good deals, good people, and to be able to just move quicker and quicker. But to get to your question of like, what is my end game? My plan is just to continue to keep building up this portfolio one single family at a time, basically. I've been doing it like I could go move more quickly, but I've been just trying to be very intentional and 
you know, kind of minimize risk while always taking a step forward. And that's kind of been my thought process so far. Yeah. You said that you said you're an engineer, <laughs> right? Exactly. Hey guys, look, it's an engineer that got the joke. All right. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But, you know, the reality is, I mean, I've got some engineer friends of mine that they move so slow, they analyze so much that they can't do this, right? Okay. They've literally talked themselves in and out of real estate three dozen times. But, you know, the reality is one of the things that you're talking about with the synergy and the flywheel is pretty soon I hear how, you know, you got these things going. And then I also heard you earlier in the show talk about how you've been able to help others. You've got deal coming through. You've got flow coming through. It's very easy for you to hand something to someone. Now you've got a wholesale business. It's funny how real estate just starts to build on itself, literally from the foundation up. And the next thing you know, you're doing all kinds of awkward real estate deals in in back alleys, right? I mean, yeah, you know, (laughs) exactly. That's how it's been. It's been just like kind of building on itself. And like I said, like it's an abundant market. It's abundant just category as a whole. And I think if you take that mindset and you're creative and you're willing to like explore different ways to you know, take advantage of that, you can do a lot of really creative things. And like you said, like, at this point, I have more good deals that come across my desk than I'm even close to being able to handle. And so it's what do you do with those things? So I asked myself that question. And one thing that I saw was I can help other people, you know, start going down the same route that I've done. And I really enjoy helping people. And so that's one area I look to see that there was another is wholesalers. Okay, I have this deal coming through. I have a network of people I know who would be interested in buying it. Is there a reasonable you know, price for being able to push this deal along towards them. And so it's just like getting creative and figuring out ways to continue to take advantage of that momentum and then use that to build and rebuild. Right. And so it's really, we talk about as investors compounding on the like monetary sense, but from a like strategic and systematic perspective, you can also compound your time, your energy and your network as well. And, And I've been really trying to take advantage of that. You know, and that's a really great point. Nothing leverages you like real estate. I mean, you're leveraging money, right? You're leveraging the bank's money. You're leveraging, you know, your contractor's ability to repair things and to fix things and to paint things. And, you know, your realtor's network of who's got what in the pipeline and what's coming up. I mean, you really do learn how to leverage yourself and turn yourself, your one self into somebody that can do 12 different tasks that are necessary to get it to closing and then get it filled and get it leased. But, you know, it also takes that thought process of, I want to help others to get outside that box to get to the next step. You know, Ross, where do you look and see in the new people that you're helping? Where do you see the Ross that had trouble getting started, right? I mean, what do you see that a lot of investors have that may have been your hang up to really launching into this whole thing, to making that first step? What would you say that was? I think you touched on it earlier that real estate, we're talking big numbers here. Like you're... (laughs) You're not just going and buying a car. You're not just buying a candy bar down at the stop. You're talking like 100, 200, 300, 400 million dollar deals that we're dealing with. And not all of it's your money necessarily all the time, right? So the stakes oh, are but pretty- if it goes wrong, they will want all of it back from you. <laughs> so it is your money. Right. Yeah, exactly. Never get that twisted. Exactly. Right. And so I think that's like an initial kind of risk that, that holds people back. But I think even more importantly, like too caught up in like, this has to be the perfect deal. And I think, especially as, as a numbers guy, like you can definitely get down, go down that route. And, you know, like just take an example today, if I wouldn't have bought anything and just kind of, you know, waited along for the perfect deal three years ago or whatever, when I first started, I'd be kicking myself right now in terms of like all the equity, the cash flow, the networking, the just compounding interest of all the things across the board on what I've been able to build in that time. And just the lessons learned in terms of like how to run a business and, and how to, you know, 
grow a business on its own. And so like, I think even if it's not perfect, like I really try to encourage people to like, let's get in, like, let's make sure that there's like, let's cover our costs in terms of like the big items that could go wrong, but let's not nitpicky with like a thousand dollars here or there on a quote from a contractor or yeah. I mean, there's a number of different things you can get tripped up on and I think it's just so easy to do so. And so one thing though, that really does help is if you have someone alongside of you who can kind of say like, okay, you have checked off the big items here. This other stuff is up to you, you know, like let's not get too caught up in it. And I think that's where it's been helpful. Like I had someone like that for me in my first deals and, you know, I'm trying to provide that to others, but like, I want to make sure that they're also invested in this and want to succeed because, you know, success is going to be a matter of on both ends, right? Like your coach, someone who's coaching you or mentoring you is not going to guarantee your success. Like at the end of the day, you're responsible for your actions and your results. But, you know, like, I think it's very important to have someone alongside of you who can help at least check off the big boxes and make sure you're not falling into the big, because everyone's going to make mistakes. You just want to minimize those mistakes, be able to get rebound from those, learn from them, and then eliminate them from happening again. Well, and you know, what's funny too, Ross, is when you think about it, you know, everybody thinks that the contractor is going to screw them, right? And everybody is looking at that and they're, you know, like you said, they get tripped up on it. And it's not that it's not a thousand dollars. It is a thousand dollars, right? The reality is everybody needs to make money to be there for the next one. And if you really do approach it with that mindset that, listen, if I can understand why this costs a thousand dollars, then I can know when I buy the next one, what to look for to make sure that I don't have any more of these unforeseen thousand dollar items. But at the same time, make sure that your contractor's making money, make sure that you're making money, that at the end of the day, when you call the contractor and go, I got a warranty item, right? And you're in the Silicon Valley and he's clear across the country. But at the same time, you're creating that value that, hey, you know what? I know why I'm being charged this. I know what I'm getting out of it. And the relationship is part of that. And a lot of people forget that, that, you know, well, the contractor's screwing me. Well, you know, a lot of times people get hung up on the dollars and cents of it all. And they forget that there's going to be another deal. There's going to be another thing that you're going to have to do. There's another item that's going to happen or another link in this chain of relationship, right? Right. And even on the like contractor note, a lot of times if something seems a little more expensive, but then you go somewhere else and it's, oh, this is cheaper. At the end of the day, it might end up being more expensive. They're just trying to appease you by giving you what you want on the pricing, for example. So I think it's really important to like, you establish that relationship with that person when once you, you know, you trust that person and you're ready to go. Don't get too caught up in like trying to nickel and dime on different things. And then also just do what you say you're going to do, right? Like that's really another important thing. Well, and you know, a lot of times people forget that time is also a commodity, right? Time is something you purchase. And so, you know, you may get a great price and the tile guy is going to take 14 days to do the tile, or you could pay a little bit more and you get a guy that does it in three. Right. Well, now you've got 11 days of rent to talk about here. Now you're talking about, can you even afford the cheap guy, right? Right. But people they forget that there is that other component of time that goes into all of these equations because we are dealing with money. We're dealing with rent. We're dealing with interest. We're dealing with those kinds of things, right? It's the same concept as like the tax savings, right? Like you're deferring it, right? Like there's not many free lunches in in the tax world, but deferring it is a huge thing, right? And what you're able to do it, like the opportunity cost with money and time is something that I think people totally forget about. And if you keep that in mind, like you said the slightly more expensive, but faster and good relationship and someone who you can rely on going forward. What is that actually valued? And what will that compounding value be down the road? So 
And you know, Ross, you're creating this in multiple areas of your life, whether you realize it or not, you're doing it with your contractor, right? But you're also doing it with your wholesaler because now your realtor is saying, or the person that's bringing you these deals is saying, I can go to Ross. Ross has always got a home for this. It may not be Ross, but, and then you're building that relationship with the people that you're working with. So you're really continuing that process on multiple levels, whether you recognize it or not. So kudos to you for that, because you're really seeing the value of being an answer to multiple people's single question, right? Mm -hmm. What do I do with this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll call Ross. Ross will get rid of it. Ross will buy it. Ross will sell it to somebody else. Ross will wholesale it, right? Ross will do all of those things that a lot of people don't because you're able to see things on multiple levels, right? Right, exactly. And that's opened up a lot of opportunities. So where do you see this going for you, Ross? I mean, you're continuing to pick up a single family and you're continuing to move forward and you're continuing to grow. Are you seeing yourself going more into the mentorship side? Do you, do you enjoy that? Or are you going to just kind of stay helping your friends and family wholesale a little bit? Yeah. So I plan on continuing to, to even, even more so ramp up. I've actually somewhat slowed down this past year just because of how hot the market has been and because of like how well things are going on that side. But I've been mainly starting to focus more on to kind of the flip projects. So I've been starting to look into those. So I foresee myself as the market, you know, continues to be hot like this to kind of, I think people get, again, it's another sit on the sidelines type of thing. But I think if you're able to take advantage of a a hot market, if you're able to go in and, you know, do flip fix and flips, for example, and continue to wholesale. And so one of the things on the whole side of things is I started actually like getting a virtual assistant and starting to grow and talk about leveraging your time, right? Right. It's again, something I've been like, man, I need to always do this. I've been waiting on it, but I don't know if it's worth it, right? But it's kind of one of those things is once you jump in and do it, you're going to A, realize your, how much your time gets multiplied and B, you're going to see what opportunities that opens up for you to not work you know, in the business and work more on the business. And so that's really allowed me to start to now think of like, okay, how can we start to automate and process and scale some of these things? So one of my goals is to, yeah, grow grow the wholesale side of the business to like, not just me kind of doing deals here and there as they're coming by, but to have a whole team that's actually working to do that. That's one of the big things I'm looking at. And also looking to get into some of the smaller multifamily as we go forward as well. So that's kind of where I see the, the growth part of my my business. And and yeah, so pretty exciting so, on that front. Ross, have you read, as you probably know, I'm a voracious reader. I love reading, but have you read the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a book that I tell all my employees, you have to read this. And everybody's thinking, well, why do you want me to read this? I mean, that just is going to teach me how I don't need to work for you. And I'm sitting there going, well, listen, if you can do the job in four hours, right? If you can do the week's worth of work in four hours, why don't you go enjoy your life? I'll pay you the same. But it's amazing what happens when people understand how that leveraging of your time how to combine tasks, how to use other people's time to get things done really helps. So I definitely hear you on that, you know, how to outsource. It's just when I get the bill for the virtual assistant and I have to pay my regular employee, right? I'm just like, wait a minute. I don't think you quite interpreted that quite like I did, right? But Ross, as we wind this down, I really appreciate you coming on the show and giving us this information, but where can people get a hold of you in the World Wide Web? Yeah. So I have a website introduces people to the coaching also is a place. If you have a deal that you are interested in getting rid of, I'm happy to take a look and see if it makes sense. And that's www.engineeredcashflow.com. So engineered cashflow is the real estate business that I have. And then again, guys, he's an engineer with a sense of humor, play on words right there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's all about building that cash flow, and then, you know, building that wheel up. So we're also on Facebook and Instagram with uh, engineered cashflow as well. And then we also have a remote investors Facebook group that Bo Kim, founder of Bigger 
Cashflow and I have founded there. And so we're in there helping other investors who are looking to invest outside of the state across the country like I have most folks with W2 and just looking to get started. So we're super excited to help people out from that perspective as well. Awesome. Well, Ross, I want to thank you for coming by. Guys, as you heard him say, he's working with a billion dollar startup in Silicon Valley, yet he chooses real estate as his exit plan in his future. So guys, if you can learn anything from Ross, take it from him. Real estate's the place to be. And thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you, Ross, again, for being with us. And thank you for tuning into the Real Estate Rundown. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown on Podchaser, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts to get automatic updates. You'll also find us on Instagram and YouTube. Leave us a review. I'd really love to hear from you. And if you liked what Ross had to say today, go ahead and give him a follow on Facebook at the Engineered Cashflow or on Instagram, Engineered Cashflow, or his website, engineeredcashflow.com. Thanks again, Ross. Thanks, Shan. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.